Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Luna Love of the Podcast acknowledges the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is recorded, the Araqual people of the Bundjalung Nation, and pays respects to elders past, present, and emerging. to Luna Love of the Podcast. I'm your host, Jordana Levine. This week, I've got an interview episode for you with uh, two very special women, one by the name of Sally Douglas, the other by the name of Imogen Khan. Um, they are the hosts of the Good Morning Podcast, and they've got a new book out called Good Morning, Honest Conversations About Grief and Loss. Now, before you turn this off... <laughs> thinking this is going to be a heavy interview about grief. It's not. It is a light, honest, fun interview uh, between the three of us. I I got so much out of chatting to Sal and Im. Um, their podcast is fantastic. If you have ever been through grief, are currently going through grief, or um, you're supporting someone who's grieving, all of their resources are absolutely incredible. Um, I speak about it in the episode, but I was a little bit worried having been through my own grief, um, doing this interview, reading the book, listening to the podcast, but I got nothing but joy, connection, validation, recognition um, through consuming all that Sally and Im offer. Um, So that's what's coming up in this episode today. I do want to put a bit of a trigger warning in and just say we talk about suicide um, and we talk about miscarriage in this episode, neither in great detail, uh, but we do discuss uh, both things in this episode along with death, obviously, it being an episode about grief. And I didn't do this on purpose, but um, it's actually worked out pretty well that this podcast is airing during Pisces season. Um, One of the themes of not so much Pisces as a sign, but the 12th house, so the Pisces house, um, one of the themes of that house is loss. Um, Loss of life, loss of things, loss of time. But grief is the emotional processing of loss. I think it's very timely this episode comes out during Pisces season. Speaking of astrology, (laughs) it's probably a good segue to talk about what's going on astrologically this week. Uh, If you haven't checked it out yet on Instagram, I am doing a monthly astrology calendar so you know exactly what's coming up over the month. Uh, And like I said in the Virgo full moon episode, March is a huge month astrologically. We've got some big, big things happening that will change the course of all of our lives forevermore. That's probably a bit dramatic. (laughs) But what is happening this week, actually today, if you're listening on Wednesday, is that Saturn is moving in to Pisces. It's a big transit. Saturn's been in Aquarius since December 2020. Uh, and she is now making her way uh, into the sign of Pisces, which means if you have your Saturn in Pisces, you are about to enter your Saturn return. If you had your Saturn in Aquarius, you were coming out of it. And that is going to feel so goddamn sweet. I'm so excited for all you Saturn Aquarius babies. Um, If you want to hear about Saturn entering Pisces in detail, I did do a bonus episode for Lunar Lover subscribers. It aired on Monday. If you become a member now, not only do you get access to that episode, but all the previous bonus episodes as well. 
Um, so if you would like to listen to that episode on Saturn entering Pisces, I talk about what's happening, what will happen for you personally, what will happen globally, and then also how you can tell exactly how it's going to affect you as an individual based on what house you have Pisces in, in your natal chart. If you want to become a subscriber, uh, you just need to click the link in the show notes of this episode. Um, and all moon and ascendant subscribers will get access to that episode. If you become an ascendant subscriber, you, you also get access to the Virgo full moon circle and all the previous circles if you want to do those. <laughs> I mean, you probably don't. But if you want to do the Virgo full moon circle to make the most of Tuesday's Virgo full moon, um, then that is available to all Ascendant members. All right, let's jump into this episode with Sally Douglas and Imogen Khan all about Good Morning. All right, Sally and Imogen, welcome to Luna Lover, the podcast. I like to begin all of these interviews asking my guests about their sun, moon and rising sign. So, Sal, let's start with you. So good to be um, joining you today, Jordana. I've got mine written down um, <laughs> in preparation for this. So I am a sun. My sun sign is Cancer. My moon is Capricorn. And my rising is Sagittarius and my son is Cancer in the eighth house, which I know is of death and <laughs> mental health. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. It's pretty interesting. It's really interesting. So that's your son's in the eighth house? Yeah. Son's in the eighth house. My moon is in the second house. Okay. And my rising sign yeah, is... It's the rising sign is the first house. Oh, okay. Yeah. There it's we the go. House is the first. <laughs> that is so interesting because the eighth house is, it's the house of many things, but death and talking about death, talking about taboo subjects is very much eighth house energy. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So good. Do you resonate with being a cancer? Oh, so hard. So yeah. hard. I feel like <laughs> I'm a typical cancer. Yeah. Yeah. sensitive sentimental no yes <laughs> yes Sally's a little bit moody things. sometimes I'll yeah. be honest yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right and Imogen what what's your sun moon and rising I didn't get as much detail as Sal but I got okay. um my Vir Virgo sun yep Gemini moon oh an Aquarius ascendant love it we're very similar you and I are we yeah. Love that. <laughs> yeah. Do you do you resonate with being a Virgo? Uh yes, I do. I do. Um, there are a lot of things though that I don't hundred percent resonate with. I feel like I am a perfectionist. Yeah. Like things have to be like perfect, otherwise I get really frazzled. Um I would say I like to be organized, but I don't think Sal would agree. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I always but... say to Virgo? <laughs> Because it's the same with me. I would love to be organized. I'm not always organized. I'm not a Virgo yeah. sun. I'm a Virgo moon. But it's like my soul is happy if things are in order. So it's yes. like it's not always in order, but I would be so much happier if it was. That's exactly right. Like I feel calm when I have routine. Right. Right. Not always stick to it. Not not the best at it. But I definitely, for me, that grounds me when I have routine. Yeah. Yes, and Im, your son is also in the eighth house. No, it's not. It is because That's I would right. do, I did our birth that. charts ages ago. I've got a book, and I was I was doing them, and I was like, no way. I got him to send all, all me all of her details, and hers is also in the eighth house. Oh, you guys are exactly where you're meant to be. Mm -hmm. Chat exactly. about death. Yeah, <laughs> love this for us. No, but it's. It's true because the reason the eighth house is so dark and scary to people is because nobody talks about what goes on in the eighth house, mm -hmm. which is death and loss, right? And that's exactly what you guys talk about. So I thought a really good place for us to start might be for you guys to tell us a little bit about Rose and Vanessa, because this is sort of where the story starts with the two of you. 
what can you tell us about your mothers? I can start. So it's Im here talking for anyone. I'm the Aussie. Sal's got the British accent. <laughs> so my mum's name is Vanessa and she died in February of 2020 um, by suicide. And my mum was my biggest support, my biggest cheerleader. We were best of friends. Um, I'd call her like 12 times a day about absolutely everything, always going to her for advice. And um, yeah, she'd never had any previous mental health issues. She was just full of life, full of color, such a vibrant, warm person. You know, those people who are like, they're like rescuers by nature. Like they just want to help everyone and anyone. Like that's very much who my mum was. And um, yeah, she went through some really awful things in her life and it led her to, yeah, taking her own life. And it's just came as a complete shock, um, was not expecting it at all. She was absolutely last person I could have ever imagined doing what she did. Um, so it's been a long time of processing lots of complicated emotions and, and feelings. But, yeah, she was a very, very special woman. And I like to think that by doing Good Morning, it's kind of keeping her legacy of wanting to help others alive. Absolutely. And I think, you know, something else that's really special about the story of your mother is nobody talks about suicide either, mm. ever, you know, um, mm. being the child of of somebody who's committed suicide or even just being in the family, being a friend and having these, um, I, I guess there's an idea or, of like, oh, you always know on some level, you know. Absolutely. There's a lot of shame uh, attached to suicide loss too. And there's, I think people's opinions on what happened and like, you just never know. And like, I, I, I learned very quickly that suicide doesn't discriminate and, I now know it can happen to literally anybody. If it can happen to my mom, the last person who would ever do it, it can happen. And I think people, yeah, they feel ashamed to admit sometimes even the cause of death, which is a very common thing that we've heard throughout our community. Like if someone's taken their life, like they don't want to actually tell people because they fear of being, that they fear being judged by them, which is absolutely horrible. Like I think suicide really needs to be treated like any other cause of death you know if someone has cancer we don't say to them oh my god like can't believe they got cancer and, and died like there must have been something going on or there must have been more like it's mental health is a real issue and it's a very taboo topic yeah well thank you for sharing your story with us does it get easier for you the more you talk about it I think I've become quite desensitized to a lot of it because I talk about it so much. Sometimes I'm almost like, oh, I can have really intense in-depth conversations and it doesn't like feel as physical for me anymore. So I think, yeah, because I've talked about it so much, it's just, it's just kind of made it really like real. And mm -hmm. I don't get as, I think back in the early days, like when I talk about I've, grief is very physical, which is something I think we'll get into, but I would feel a physical response, like anxiety within my body talking about it. But now I'm, I'm a lot more calm and grounded. And I think, yeah, talking about it has, has helped in a lot of ways. I think it's really healing to talk about it. Absolutely. Um, Sally, can you tell us a little bit about your mum? I would love to. So my mum's name is Rose and she passed away in November, 2019. She had a sudden seizure. So she had epilepsy and there's something called SUDEP and it stands for sudden and unexpected death in epilepsy. And it's not widely researched. So we don't know exactly why it happens. Um, but the thought is that it's a prolonged seizure that can sometimes lead to death. And so mum went to bed. We were supposed to have a call in the morning, her morning, my evening. And I couldn't get through to her. And I thought, oh, you know, maybe something's up, but it was quite out of character. Um, but I just went to bed and thought, well, maybe she's busy or, you know, she just mm. missed this one. And then I woke up the next morning at 6am to a WhatsApp from her partner, who I didn't really hear from a lot, saying, I need you to call me. And I just remember so vividly being like over the sink, about to brush my teeth. And I called him and he said, I need you to steady yourself. Your mum's passed away. And I was just in such utter shock as an expat living in Australia on the other side of the world. One of the payoffs is what happens if 
something terrible happens and I'm not close by. I think it's something that many expats grapple with. And then I found myself in that situation, like my worst nightmare. And then I was on the next flight home and, you know, my mum was really kind, really warm, really caring, just such a lovely human who really cared about other people. And um, I miss her greatly. And I just did not expect to be grieving in my early 30s. I was 33 when she died. And you just catapulted into grief and you're just not prepared for it, which is why we're doing the work that we um, are doing. But yeah, that's my mum. She was just absolutely beautiful. And um, it was such a massive, massive shock. Yeah, I can imagine. Was this for both of you? Was this your first introduction to grief in your life? Yeah, I would say like we'd lo- I'd lost grandparents, um, but in terms of that sudden and traumatic loss of someone really close, yeah. Definitely for me as well, yeah. So the first like premature death, like, you know, we had I had grandparents die as well and it was sad, but it was on another level when my mum died. I was not expecting it to happen when it happened and it was, yeah, just a whole different experience. So then are there different types of grief, do you think? Oh, absolutely. In terms of, do you mean the way that we grieve or different types of grief that we will experience? Yeah, different types that we experience. I know there's different styles of grieving for sure, and we'll talk about those. But I mean, you know, this the sadness that you feel when a pet dies or a grandparent dies or... Um, or an expected an expected death that you know is coming compared to the trauma or sudden sudden loss of someone where it's sort of out of the blue do you think it hits differently or is it just an individual experience it's so individual isn't it em i think it's all it's really important to to know that any any loss and any grief that you're feeling is just as valid i think sometimes we can compare our losses so for example someone might think that losing their mum is you know more of a valid loss than someone losing their pet but but people and pets and they mean things to us individually and it's it's so there's no um there's no like hierarchy when it comes to grief everyone's loss is just as as valid um would you say so im like Yeah. And I also think it also comes down to the relationship that you had with the person who died. So, you know, I could have had an estranged relationship with my mum and Sal could have been really close. So we both had the same type of loss, but a very different experience, you know? And I also think what's really important is something that we learn is to separate grief and trauma. So I think when we talk about types of grief, like there is traumatic grief and then there's sort of a more natural grief that we have say if your grandparent died and trauma and grief are very separate things so I think it can complicate the grieving process if your loss was sudden or -hmm. traumatic um or yeah like a premature death and so it really depends on the relationship you have with the person but those type of losses can be different to yeah say if you're grieving a grandparent who was in their old age and you know it was expected yeah and there are also different types of grief like there's disenfranchised grief so that might be grief that isn't recognized by society by and large so things like the loss of a pet or the grief that we feel when a relationship breaks up or something changes in regards to our job or our health or um, a miscarriage there's lots of different types of grief and loss that perhaps aren't acknowledge as much as a death loss like a pet you know parent loss or an immediate family dying um and then there's also complicated grief that you might feel if you had a relationship that was difficult with somebody who's died so there's there's quite a few different I guess grief categories of grief and ways that you can experience grief and that's what's so remarkable about your book I started reading it yesterday and I've listened to the podcast and I think as soon as you start to hear the stories of not just you guys but also your listeners um, and the people within your community it starts to normalize is probably not the right word, but it starts to make you feel like it's less of a solo experience and that there's lots of different ways 
that we deal with grief and we process grief and we experience it. And I think before I had experienced my own sense of grief, I thought I understood it fully. I thought, yeah, I'm a very empathetic person. Like I understand, you know, if someone's telling me they're feeling a certain way, I can put myself in their shoes. But until I had gone through my my own grief, um, I couldn't. And I And then I also realized on the other side of that, that even though I'd been through my own grief, that still didn't give me enough experience to empathize with somebody else's grief because it's totally different. And, and that's what's so great about the book and the podcast is you do get to hear so many different stories. That was really important for us too, because grief is really individual. Mm. Like I mentioned before, like it just boils down to so many different factors, like the relationship that you had with the person, your age, you know, previous, you know, mental health, issues that you've had like so many different things can impact the way that we grieve so it was important for Sal and I to put in the voices of so many other grievers Mm. um, just to like see the big spectrum and how complex it is and how everyone will experience it differently Mm. although it's such a universal topic everyone will grieve at some point in their life right how did you guys meet I love story. Um, <laughs> so, so we both were living in Sydney. We'd lost our mums um, a few months apart. And the thing about grief is, even if you've got a support network, you know, you've got friends, you've got family, it can still be really lonely. Because if none of your peers have experienced loss, they might not know what to say, even like with the best intentions. And even if they're showing up and supporting you, you can still feel lonely if you can't really express what's going on for you. So Im and I were both in that situation. We had friends around us, family support, but we still felt isolated in our loss. So we stumbled across a um, support group and we both ended up going to a meetup. And that's kind of when we came across each other, didn't we, Im? And we didn't really talk in full on the day. We didn't get a chance to have a proper chat, but we both... Um, found out that we both lost our mum suddenly we were both a similar age and we were both kind of yeah going through a similar type of loss um, and Im I'll let you take it over from here but um, yeah we we basically connected and met up didn't we Im and that's the rest is history. We did I feel like you'll you'll love this sort of stuff Jordana but we strongly believe that our mums brought us together and there's just so many like little synchronicities and just sliding door moments and um similarities and things that just we just can't look past and um yeah we really believe that our mums brought brought us to each other and like my middle name's Rose Sal's mum's name is Rose my daughter's middle name's Rose we met at the Rose Hotel like Sal's all Sal's favorite hobbies are all of my mum's favorite hobbies like it's just so intense like so many things (laughs) and Sal and I as well we were almost living parallel lives up until the point that we met you know through the death of our mums and it was almost like we'd known each other for a very long time it was a very fast relationship that we built and it kind of we just there was no like there was no going back once we met yeah it's like our life trajectory was really similar and we'd had quite mm. similar experiences and like we both left school at 15 and we were both quite rebellious um, and we had like quite rough teenage years, quite tough times at home. So we really rebelled and we ended up leaving school with like minimal qualifications, which it's not something that you, you don't meet someone every day that went through a similar period in their life around the same time. Um, and also in tell Jordana about the, psychic reading the day that we launched the pod because that's pretty freaky I think your sister's reading oh yeah so my sister went to sorry we're just like talking loads please let us know if you want to no please (laughs) (laughs) so we love psychic mediums and we found them to be really like comforting and helpful in our grief and um, my sister went to see a psychic and um, what she basically told the woman like your mother is with somebody called Rose and my sister didn't put two and two together. She like she told me, I was like, yeah, I don't know. Didn't I, I didn't put two and two together. And then Sal and I were sitting together having lunch. It was the day we launched the pod and it was Rose's birthday, Sal's oh mum's birthday. And my sister called and um, 
she was like, oh, what are you up to? I said, I'm just having lunch with Sal. Um, it's her mum's birthday today. She's like, oh, what was Sal's mum's name? I said, oh, it's Rose. She's like, oh, do you not remember the psychic interview, that, like the psychic reading that I had? And the woman said that mum was with somebody called Rose and we couldn't connect the dots. And I was like, oh my God. So that was like another big moment where we're like, yeah, there's just no denying now, but they keep happening. Like, I feel like, yeah. Since we're talking about psychic mediums, <laughs> have you both seen mediums since your mother's past? Yes. yes. And quite a few. Can we talk, can we talk about those experiences? I know we're a little bit off topic, but yeah, fascinating. Oh. And just to bring it full circle back to the conversation, did it help with your grief? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I remember the first one that I saw, it was quite intimidating, like to, and it's quite mind bending when they're telling you stuff that you think, how on earth could you know that? Like really intimate details. Mm. It is quite, I found it quite mind bending to think that they're on the other side communicating with you, but I found it really healing. And I think it's not for everyone. But for me, I, I did take a lot of comfort from it and just feeling like that connection lives on. I agree. Like I found it so comforting. And I actually feel like I had a real breakthrough with a lot of my guilt in my grief, which was really interesting mm -hmm. after seeing a psychic medium. Um, so yeah, with suicide loss, there can be a lot of unanswered questions, obviously. Yeah. And and a lot of the times the loved ones blame themselves because there's real no real cause of death other than we'll never know what's happened. So we try and come up with, you know, the reason ourselves and oftentimes we blame ourselves. So guilt was a very prevalent emotion for me. And I remember speaking to a psychic medium and it was so insane, like so realistic. And he knew everything. He knew like everyone's names and just wow. details that there's no way he could have known had he not actually been speaking to my mom on the other side. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, it just gave me so much clarity and I had a real sense of I was actually talking to my mum through this person. Yeah. So it wasn't, oh, she's giving you a message. It was like the things that he was saying was in a way, like it was the way that my mum would talk, the nicknames that she would call me, you know, really intimate detail like Sal mentioned. And um, I just went away going, oh, my God, I've got so much clarity around my mum's death. Like you cannot put a price on that. Like it was so helpful for me. And I think something that can really help is it, it feels like you've still got that relationship and the relationship mm. is continuing on right. and we actually both went to see the same psychic medium didn't we Im who predicted that we were going to write the book yes which was this was another another one wasn't it we've seen yeah. a few <laughs> we're doing it can get a little bit addictive like <laughs> man, get addictive I've been in the same spiral but I do think that if you're getting benefit from it and you're not sort of like escaping into mm -hmm. it then then it's healthy yeah. And if, if it's something that's new to anyone listening and they're like a bit nervous about, you know, doing that sort of thing in the final chapter of our book, we touch on signs and connecting with your loved one in spirit. We do get a little bit woo woo, but not too woo woo. And we also interview Laura Lynn Jackson, who wrote the book signs and um, the light between us, which are really fantastic books. If you're into that spirituality piece, um, but yes, just so, so fascinating. And there's some good tips in there as well and connecting with your loved one who's died through asking for signs and that sort of thing. Yeah, that's really beautiful. It can be so powerful. And just quickly, Im, you've asked for signs for your mum to send you signs during psychic readings, haven't you? And she's come through with them. And that can be another really good way to, to sort of almost validate. Test them out. <laughs> Test them out, yeah. <laughs> well, I, mean, I mean, that's an important thing to raise, right? Because I think... There are some brilliant psychic mediums out there and then there's probably some people who are not so great or perhaps I've definitely seen psychics in my time who I can just tell they're talking out of their ass. So I always say to people who are looking for psychics to make sure uh, it's through recommendation, right? Like somebody who's had a really incredible experience with them. Totally, totally. Yeah. Have I think we've Im and I have both seen some dodgy psychics as well. And it can <laughs> yeah. be really disheartening. Like right. I saw one guy, like I grew up in like industrial like England, like like this, yeah, it was it was very um very industrial. And 
I saw a, a psychic who was telling me basically that like he was seeing me like growing up on like a cowboy ranch and I'm like it could be further <laughs> further from like where I grew up and it was just it was yeah it was really disheartening maybe it was a past life self yeah, That's what I was thinking <laughs> like, are you sure <laughs> what do you think the most surprising thing about grief has been for you for me um it was how much like it impacts everything you know a lot of people think grief is just feeling sad and then you grieve and then it's done but it's just like it's a full body experience 360 degree full body experience and it changes you like it, it can really change you as a person so that's what I found to be the most surprising I think mm. yeah so it's I mean it's so exhausting I was surprised mm. about how physical grief is and and how I felt like I'd been on I'd, I'd sleep for 10 hours in the in the first couple of months probably actually the first six to eight months after my loss I'd have a full night's sleep I'd get up and I'd feel like I'd been on an all-nighter I felt so so exhausted and like Im said it is surprising just the spectrum of, of grief and how physical it can be but also what surprised me and I think I've learned this more so doing the work that we've done through good morning is how different grief shows up for everybody and how we have such different grieving styles so Im is very very like she's an um what they call an intuitive griever she's very like she feels her emotions very deeply she has to express them sometimes they they sort of are overpowering and she needs to talk about how she's feeling. Whereas for me, I'm more of what they call an intuitive griever. Um, instrumental. Sorry, sorry I'm an <laughs> instrumental griever. So I'm more practical and I find that by doing things, I grieve almost like in a, in a way that I'm processing by getting things done. Mm. And I can talk about my mum maybe a little bit more objectively and it's really interesting when you kind of learn about the different grieving styles you can pick up like oh okay this is this is maybe how I've dealt with things in the past as well and it gives you a clearer picture on your coping style so that's been really interesting because I think when we think about grief sometimes we can really judge and shame ourselves because we think we should be acting in a certain way so for me I thought I should be emotional all the time how am I able to go back to work and function and 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 have days where I feel relatively okay and for him she was the opposite she was judging herself for being too emotional and not being able to get the practical stuff done so I think it's yeah it's really important to know that there's no one size fits all and we all grieve and cope so differently and however you cope and however you're processing is absolutely fine it's just right for you I think what I found most interesting reading the book and it's I I guess because I really identified with it was the fact that you know grief is so much more than the emotion of sadness and one of the emotions that you named which really kind of targeted it for me and was surprising for me at the time was envy right? Mm. So the grief I experienced was a miscarriage and um, it sideswiped me in ways I never imagined it sideswiping me. But envy was probably one of the biggest emotions that came through. I had Mm. lots of friends who were pregnant at the same time as me Mm. um, and also just anyone in the street with a child, whether it was a baby or a you know, 12 year old would, would trigger me and I would feel this deep, deep envy. And it took me a couple of years to move through it Mm -hmm. the other emotion that really caught me off guard which you guys talk about and we've mentioned a few times but is guilt the guilt that comes up especially in the moments where you start laughing again or you start Mm -hmm. having fun and you think oh god am I not am I not grieving yet like have I grieved for long enough like is this okay to be feeling can we talk about the guilt a little bit I know Im you felt it quite a bit yeah, firstly, I'm so sorry that you went through a miscarriage. I know that can be a really hard grief to go through because oftentimes people don't know as well what you're carrying and it's a really heavy load. And I think it's very common to feel envy and kind of focus on what you've lost. And and I think as well that loss for the future, your imagined future too, yeah. which is a very big thing. So I want to say sorry that you've, that you've gone through that. And um, onto the guilt. Yeah, guilt for me was massive. Like it was probably one of the most, the strongest 
emotions that I experienced. And that was surprising. That was really surprising because you don't expect that. No. Um, you don't expect to be feeling yeah, guilt in grief. And um, it's hard to work through too. I think it's something that I still grapple with sometimes, even years on, I still have my moments. And I think it's some, it's a way of trying to make sense of something because it's really frightening to think that really bad things can just happen out of nowhere as well. You know, so it's way our mind, it's our mind's way of trying to take back a little bit of control of a world that is really out of our control. And that's a really frightening thing for some of us to realize when someone you love dies, you're faced with that. You're like, Oh my God, I, anything could happen at any given moment. And so I think guilt does come in when it's your mind's way of trying to take back a little bit control. If I'd said something differently, they'd still be here. If I'd done something differently, they'd still be here. But really, we had no control. I had no control. And that's something that's taken a long time for me to come to terms with. Um, And I think understanding where that guilt stems from has been really helpful as well. So hopefully that helps anyone listening who might be experiencing that. Can we talk about like getting through day-to-day life? Um, I was thinking when I was experiencing my grief in the early days, how lucky I was that I worked for myself because I didn't get off the couch half the time. Um, And I always wondered, you know, how do people go to work? How do you do a nine to five? Or how do you raise children? Like, how do you just show up as a mother? And I know, Im, you had just had a baby. You you were in the early stages of just having had a baby when your mum passed, right? She, yeah, my daughter was nine months old yeah. and I was a first time mom and I was also a very anxious mom. Um, I, I would say that I'm not a very maternal person. Like I'd ne- I was not one of those people that would envision myself having a family, envision myself as a mother and would, you know, fantasize about that. I never did that. I was always very frightened at the prospect of having a child. It might be because of my upbringing. I'm not sure, but I, yeah. So having a, having a, baby was really big for me. Like I was full of anxiety. I was like, I'm not good enough. This is so overwhelming and so hard and like changed me as a person, you know, motherhood can really change you. And so then going through catastrophic grief on top of all of this other stuff, this transformational stuff that I was going through was just on another level. Like I couldn't function. I was an absolute mess. Like Sal said, I, I, my, my grief was so visceral you know, I couldn't, I couldn't think straight. I, I wasn't eating properly. I could not imagine going, stepping foot back into an office environment because like I was just not a normal person anymore in my eyes. Um, and that's probably one of the big reasons that's thrown me into doing the work that we're doing because it's still, you know, focusing on what's happened, but in a way that's healing for me and healing for other people, it's kind of given me a lot of meaning and purpose since my mum died. And I found, I found that really helpful, but yeah, showing up and being a mum in the midst of it was really hard. Like there'll be days I'll just be staring at the wall like a zombie yeah. and then the guilt comes into play again. I'm not a good enough mum. I'm not doing enough. My, I'm failing my own child. You know, all of that starts to come into play. So it's a, it's really complex and um, I still... I still experience that now. Like some days if I'm too exhausted, I just had the three-year anniversary and I was telling Sal, I was just like watching Love Island on my laptop and like eating curry for dinner. I'm like, this is as good as I can get. But now I've really learned to tell myself good enough is good enough. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 What about you, Sal? How did you go with like working and just like getting back to routine? Was that something that was a struggle for you or did you find it to be a distraction? It was a it was a good distraction, actually. So I'm the opposite to him and I surprised myself when I went back to work. I was literally firing on all cylinders. Mm. I was on top of things. I was just on fire. And I even I was like, this is weird, like why am I performing so well? But for me, I think it was a coping mechanism. And we actually interviewed um, a lady on our podcast called Megan Reardon Jarvis. She's a, a psychotherapist. And she said, to grieve is a verb. And what I was doing by like going back to work and kind of like processing and getting things done, I was still grieving, but it was just my way of doing it was being practical and and finding that healing by being busy um 
and I shamed myself for a long time because I thought I should be unable to go to work or I should be unable to like function and, and you know and here I was like coping and I'd have days and evenings where I'd be a hot mess but generally day to day I actually found it to be helpful um to keep myself busy and to yeah to have that distraction by being at work yeah do you either of you have any advice for people who cannot face the prospect of going back to work but feel uncomfortable with the idea of having to explain to a boss that they're not coping or that um, maybe they just need some more time or you know Mm -hmm. like speaking to your community and perhaps some of the experts you've had on the podcast what's the best way to navigate that because obviously there's no rule book around it um, and there's not always systems in place um, at all workplaces for dealing with something like grief totally and I think it's very much how you cope with grief at work can be very individual and based on the support that you have from your employer and sometimes if an employer doesn't really know much about grief or hasn't really experienced it or doesn't have really any set protocols in place it can be tricky to navigate so I would say um trying to be as upfront and honest as you can um as soon as it happens just explaining what's going on for you maybe it's calling them sending an email if there's a HR department maybe contacting your HR department as well as your manager and just expressing if it's taking like longer than you expected to get the admin done or for you to you know for you to kind of um, feel like you're coming to a place where you can return to work quite often some employers might give you the option to use more personal annual leave or you can take unpaid leave but I think having that line of communication is really really key Um, and also if you're a manager listening to this or you're a boss or you've got your own business I think just doing what you can to take the load off that person who is grieving, letting other people know. Something my boss did for me, which really helped, was let the team know what had happened, but told them, don't contact her straight away. This is going to be really fresh and raw for her. If you want to show your support, like give it a couple of days mm. and message her, but without any kind of expectation for her to reply or without opening up a line of conversation and that was really helpful and also letting them know their work is taken care of because I think sometimes you know we worry about oh I've just you know if someone's died suddenly and you've got a project that you're managing for example you think well what am I going to do so just letting them know everything's taken care of and they can just take that off their plate is also really key but I would say if you are struggling to go back to work definitely be be clear and be honest with your employer talk to HR quite often a lot of HR um, departments will have like employee assistance programs where they have access to counsellors and other um, mental health services which might be um, beneficial to explore but I think it's really key just to be just to keep the communication lines open and be honest Yeah, I think that's really good advice. Thank you. Um, Speaking of support, I think it's definitely something we should talk about because Mm -hmm. even like I said before, having gone through grief myself and knowing what I wanted from other people at the time, I still get a bit funny about doing the right thing by other people who are going through something. And so I'd love to hear from you guys because I'm sure you've had lots of feedback from listeners and your community and also what worked for the both of you, what are some helpful tips for the support teams out there that might be supporting a family member or a friend or an employee or a colleague? Um, what are some helpful pieces of advice that you guys have for them? It can be really hard being a support person um, for somebody grieving. And I think a lot of the time we fear saying the wrong thing. So we often mm-hmm. say nothing. nothing. <laughs> Yeah. And that can be one of the worst things to do, which, you know, we're already feeling isolated and alone in our grief. And then if we feel people aren't even acknowledging it, it can make it even more isolating. So the first step would be acknowledge their loss, but do it in a way that's really real. You know, you can just acknowledge how shit it is. You know, it doesn't have to be flowery, poetic, you know, cliches and language that you use. Like I think people grieving just really appreciate someone showing up and acknowledging how awful it is. Um, And if you don't know the right things to say, you can even say that. Say, I don't know what to say, but I want to be here for you, you know, and just be consistent when you do show up. 
Um, so that would be like the first step. And in terms of like things to say to somebody grieving, aside from just being really real, like try not to use platitudes and cliches like your loved one wouldn't want you to be sad or you know it was their time to go or they're in a better place those sorts of things can feel really really minimizing for the person Mm -hmm. who's grieving um, because it kind of makes you feel like you're not allowed to be feeling sad your feelings aren't valid um, which is horrible so I think a lot of the time people grieve in in private and in silent because they feel like people want them to hurry along with their grief right and grief is a lifelong thing you know we're going to be grieving forever so it's really important to like acknowledge that and show up and keep showing up years later you know our grief doesn't end when the funeral is finished which I think society has this preconceived idea that it does and you know we we stop grieving we go back to normal but that's very much not what happens so yeah absolutely that's something I've been conscious of with with friends recently whose parents have passed is you know you sort of get to the two-week mark definitely after the funeral and everyone just stops checking in because everyone else's lives go on right Mm -hmm. yeah feel like everything's just stopped and the world's not moving anymore so I'm really conscious of not having a time limit ever really on checking in on someone. Yeah. Totally. And you're a good friend because that's so important to have friends like that that just keep checking in. And I think if you've got, if you know the date of their, the anniversary that they, like the date they died, we call them the death anniversary, um, or maybe it's their, their person's birthday, or just check in on those days as well. It takes, less than a minute just to pop something in your calendar but just letting them know that you're thinking of them on those days can be so so meaningful to someone who's grieving and even like just little tweaks to your language so for example if you have got a friend that's grieving and you you know you're speaking to them and you say how are you Mm. sometimes as a griever we can feel like well actually I'm really shit but I feel like I've now got to be like fine thanks so (laughs) if you can be like how are you today that's that simple tweak can give them a little signal that you're actually giving them the space to really open up and share how they're really feeling and that can be really really powerful and if you know somebody who's just lost someone when you send them a message if you're sending them a message of support just put at the very end of that message like no need to reply because quite often we'll get so many messages of support and that's wonderful but also then you feel like you've got to reply to everyone and that's like we just don't have the capacity to do that so those those two things can be really really helpful yeah I also find like not asking a question like just making a statement which is I'm thinking of you I'm here if you need me yes yeah any any questions where you have to come up with a solution for the person asking the question is just too much for the grief brain. So totally. True. Like, it's don't so say, well... oh, yeah. sorry, like <laughs> if there's anything, I can, let me know if there's anything I can do because like people who are grieving don't want to have to think about what they can then tell you to do, you know? So wow. that's a really good, yeah, a really good one. Mm. So what are, for the Virgos of the world that want to do something and feel useful, what are some actionable things that you could do for someone who's grieving? Uh, offering up some service. I know for me, dog walking was like the last thing I wanted to do when I was deep in grief. So if someone, you know, if, if the person grieving has a dog, you can say, I'm going to come and walk your dog. I can come at this time in the day. Does that suit you? So again, not asking them too much of a question, not like, is it okay if I come and walk your dog? Just say, I'm going to do it. Just (laughs) take charge and give them some options of times and see if that works for them. Um, Food shopping, like going and doing the grocery shopping, babysitting, um, just some cooking as well. Like that was the last thing that I wanted to do was cook meals. So dropping around some frozen meals on the doorstep can be really helpful. Like those sorts of things when someone's in immediate grief, um, it's really hard to do basic tasks. So any kind of basic tasks you can take off their list, um, any day-to-day chores and things like that can be really, really helpful. I think as well, like if you're if you sense that the person that you're that, that is grieving is more of an emotional intuitive griever maybe it's just holding that space for them as well and just being there but not trying to fix it or 
even talking to them too much but just ha- being there to let them talk if they want to and having that like holding that space for them and just being a, a support in the physical sense can also be really helpful um because I think on the other side of the coin like practical stuff is so helpful but sometimes we just need to talk as well and just talk about our person and just talk about how we're feeling so lots of different ways that you can support I love that I love that idea of 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 talking about the person because I think again a lot of the time people are scared to bring it up or ask any questions when all the griever wants to do is talk about it Um, not for everyone but for a lot of people did you feel like that with your mothers Definitely. And I think that's a misconception. Sometimes people might avoid saying their name because they think we don't want to talk about the person who died. But quite often what we found from our community and through the work that we've done through Good Morning is people really love talking about their person and hearing their name because it makes them feel like they're still because they are still very much alive in our hearts and minds so it can actually be really comforting when somebody asks you a question about them or says their name or shares a memory of them that can be like a really great way to show somebody that 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 you're thinking of them you're thinking of their person um, and you're celebrating and remembering them I just want to say as as we come to wrap this up when I received the book good morning I was worried about opening it up because I thought oh god is this gonna open a can of worms for me with my own grief when I feel like I've moved past it to an extent Mm -hmm. um and it it didn't have that effect at all I found it really enlightening it made me laugh I felt very connected to people it reminded me of the grief I'd gone through but in a really healthy way if that makes sense. So I just wanted to say that because I feel like sometimes when people are going through grief, they are scared about opening up a wound that perhaps they've, you know, sewn up tightly or sutured to, you know, a level of satisfaction. But I found the content of the book and also listening to the podcast, I found it quite uplifting and reassuring rather than heavy which I feel like sometimes we feel like opening up the conversation might make us feel I love that you said this and I love that you you know were honest about how you felt prior to opening up the book because I think a lot of people have that feeling too like especially when you go oh a grief podcast it's going to be really heavy (laughs) and doom and gloom but our podcast really is anything but that it's quite uplifting and like sometimes hilarious and yes we do cry but it's not doom and gloom you know we talk about grief in a way that's accessible and it's not too heavy you can listen mm-hmm. to it you know when you're at work sometimes some of the some of the conversations are a little heavier than the <laughs> others but like and that's what we really wanted our book to be we wanted our book yeah. to be something light that you feel connected to people and you feel like your feelings are validated and you open it up and it's, it is a bit of light in your life um not a really heavy dark book about death <laughs> that was yeah. really important for us yeah and that's one of the reasons that we started Good Morning is because we, when we were fresh in our grief, we just found that there weren't many resources or support for grievers that spoke about grief in a really authentic way that was real, relatable and honest and with some humour. So it's it means so much that you have said that because when we were writing the book, like one of the main things was that it was really relatable, that it was it was you know it wasn't doom and gloom it didn't it it lifted you up it gave you that feeling of feeling supported but in a way that was really accessible and wasn't heavy and dark yeah. so yeah really glad that you think that that's the case because yeah, that's what we work really hard to do and the other the other notable thing I want to say is that there's lots of it's it's lots of short snippets of information also I feel like when you're grieving like reading a non-fiction book can feel like really overwhelming you know yes information but it's not this isn't a video it's a podcast George I was about to show pages to people (laughs) (laughs) but it's short snippets of anecdotal um stories and then some advice and then some information it's yeah it's fantastic you guys should be very proud Oh, thank Thank you. you. Yeah, we wanted something that was really easy to digest because when you're grieving, like trying to sit there and labor over like a really heavy book is, is, is not about that. So yeah, again, so glad that you think that. 
Yeah. Um, is there anything else you feel like we should um, talk to the listeners about before we wrap this up concerning grief? I think we covered off a lot, but I was just going to say before when you were talking about like the book being accessible and in snippets, like the reason behind that, and this is something that we found really helpful when we heard about it, is that grief can impact your brain. Mm, So basically it's like an injury to your brain, an emotional injury when you go through a big loss. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. And so it can leave you feeling like really like foggy, give you brain fog, forgetful, um, lose your train of thought. Like it can really make you feel like a different person mentally. And like, there's something wrong with you. A lot of people say, I feel like I'm going crazy. You know, I was buying six packets of the same tasty cheese and not opening them. And I go in the fridge, I'm like, oh my God, I got like five other packets in here. What am I doing? <laughs> Sal left the house with two different colored Birkenstocks on and didn't realize until she was <laughs> half, halfway down the street, people putting their car keys in the fridge, you know, things like this, which you wouldn't normally do. It's grief. Can I tell you yeah. a funny story of mine? Yeah. It's yeah. funny. It's, it was quite traumatic, but it is funny oh. telling it in hindsight. Okay. I um, was probably about two weeks after the miscarriage. So I was quite deep in grief and I'd gone out to treat myself to a massage and I must've been gone for easy two and a half hours, maybe three hours. Got home, was probably home for about half an hour. And then I was like, where's my cat? Like I was looking everywhere for the cat. Couldn't Mm -hmm. find a cat anywhere. I turned the entire house upside down. My house is very small. She was nowhere and she's an indoor cat. So I was like, she's got to be here. And then I had this thought, I was like, I emptied the washing machine right before I went out. Anyway, I opened up my washing machine, which is a front loader. And she was curled up asleep. She was a kitten at the time. She was curled up asleep. I had locked her in the washing machine. Oh my God. (laughs) With no air and she was fine she survived she's here to this day but it was one of those things my brain just wasn't on you know like I was just walking around trying to get through life I'm surprised I even did a load of washing I mean she could have been in there with it on. oh my god thank god you didn't turn it on with her in there oh my god (laughs) but you know what it's it is common and people like a lot of times that we talk about like they call it like grievous brain like grief brain we talk about it on the pod and we get so many people contacting us going, Oh my God, I just, I didn't realize that was related to grief. I thought it was just something had changed in me. Yeah. But it is like Im said, it's a trauma to your brain. Like it's an emotional injury um, and it does get better over time. But yeah, it is one of those things people don't realize is grief. And I think one thing that I would also say is like grief is so unique to the individual. There's really no right or wrong way to grieve. So don't judge yourself. Try not to compare your grief to other people. Like however you're grieving is just right for you. Like it is so, so unique. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, one more thing just before we wrap this up. What are some of the things that you guys implemented um, to help yourself, obviously not get over grief, but to move mm-hmm. through it? So the biggest one for me was talk therapy, but also um, a modality. I'm not sure if you guys have done it or um any of your community have spoken to you about it but it's called havening have you heard of havening no oh my god tell us love learning something new good good person to get on your podcast actually I did it with a woman called um Eloise McBride oh I better check that name but havening is a technique very similar to say like EFT or something like that like tapping but it works with these movements where you're sort of stroking the body and it rewires the brain so they sort of like talk you through they take you to the trauma so you're Mm -hmm. sitting with the trauma and then you start these techniques of like sweeping the sweeping the skin um and they say things to you like count backwards from uh 20 to 1 and then what's your mobile number say it out loud spell your name spell it backwards and they take you through all these things and it starts to rewire um your memory of the trauma. And I have to say it was a two hour session and the trauma that we were working on was the the point of me actually miscarrying being in the hospital. And when I think of that particular memory right now, it has no charge to it. 
And that was wow. immediately. So that's a wow. technique for caving. But just, I'm sorry, the question was for you guys. What sort of what sort of stuff did you work through that you actually found quite helpful? It sounds a bit like EMDR, like taking you back mm. to that time and place. I never did yeah. EMDR. I went to go and do it. And I remember the woman being like, yeah, you're, you're not ready. You're not there yet. Because it's a very oh. deep, intense kind of therapy. Yeah. But um, for me, the most important and helpful thing was understanding the mind-body connection and understanding that grief actually uh, changes the cells in your body. Like it lives inside your body, like trauma. Mm. And understanding that was like amazing. It was like a just a huge light bulb moment for me. I was like, oh my God, like this is why I feel so exhausted. This is why I, you know, it's changed my appetite and, and impacted everything. Um, and so learning ways to move the grief through your body was the best thing ever for me. Wow. And it started with breath work. And so we we worked with this amazing woman called Rebecca Jacks. We've had her on our podcast. So she's a trauma energy healer. Her her brother died by suicide and she fell into the work that she was doing. And she's such a gift to this world. And so we did a, quite an intensive um, five-week breath work course with her. And I just saw such amazing results. Um, I feel like I worked on traumas that I didn't even know I was carrying anymore from, you know, prior to my mum dying. And I'd always suffered from anxiety. Like since I was 17 years old, I got diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. I was always a constant worrier. Like my body was living in fight or flight mode. So you can imagine when my mum died, it was like 10 times worse. Mm. Um, and now I can like wholeheartedly sit here and say, I don't live in fight or flight mode anymore because I've understood the connection that my mind has with my body and how trauma lives inside the body and it needs to be released. Mm. And so there's so many different ways to release that. But yeah, breath work for me. Um, I even started doing this Kundalini energy healing with her, which was unbelievable. Um, running, I've taken up running. I'm now a runner, which I would never have imagined myself being. <laughs> so yeah, things to get the the grief moving through your body yeah. is a great place to start. Incredible. What about you, Sal? I would say um, that definitely. Um, Havening sounds right up our street. Em and I are definitely going to check that out because we love all that kind of stuff. Um, but but journaling has been a really big part of my um, my process and processing my grief. And you know, getting your thoughts. There's such power of getting your thoughts out on paper because they're moving through you. And actually, we spoke to a world leading neurologist, um, Dr. Lisa Shulman, on the pod about grief brain and how grief impacts your brain. And one of the biggest recommendations that she had for grieving and when you feel like you're, you know, foggy and forgetful and just to try and kind of help your brain sort of heal from loss is journaling. This, it's, it, it comes up time and time again, doesn't it, in mm-hmm. when we speak to experts about what the best thing that you can do to help yourself if you're grieving process. Um, one of the biggest things is journaling. And that's really, really helped me. That's so interesting. I'm so resistant to journaling. I don't know why. As a writer, you think I'd love it, but I absolutely can't stand it. But I can see the value in it. Yeah. Where do you think your block is? Like, um, Yeah, I think it's being in my shit. Like I'm quite a sensitive person and I'm better at processing my emotions than I used to be. I used to run Uh away from them. But there's something about journaling that just puts me right in the thick of it, which is the whole point of it, Mm. right? Yeah. yeah, I think sometimes as well, like I found we can, you, it can feel like a pressure to come up with something like profound or like to make sense of what you're writing. So what, what I do is I, um, I, I, as soon as I get up, I write, I just write in my journal, almost like stream of consciousness. So there's, I don't know if you've heard of The Artist's Way by Julia yeah. Cameron. Yeah, and so it. she, yeah, she calls it morning pages, right? So I try and do my own like griefy version of morning pages. Morning with the U pages. Oh yeah, nice one, <laughs> nice one. Yeah, um, rebranded it. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, and I find that really helps, like no judgment or like it doesn't need to make sense, you know, but like I find doing it first thing as soon as I wake up, like I'm just almost like brain dumping and and that because I've been the same like I'm like oh my god I feel like a pressure to write something amazing or like you know something that like is really profound and is a breakthrough but actually I think just literally just dumping words on a page can also be just as beneficial yeah that's beautiful all right well thank you so much for joining me on Luna Lover this conversation's been wonderful 
like wonderful so much I've gotten so much more out of it than I was expecting to so it's been yeah Yeah. it's been an absolute pleasure having you both here where can people find the book um all major booksellers um online so all major booksellers online and in store and it will be available in some independence too so yeah your best bet is just to type good morning honest conversations about grief and loss into google and it should spit up something that's close to you or somewhere online beautiful and there's also the podcast if people are interested that's also called good morning thank you so much for joining me on luna lover Thanks so much for having us. Thanks, Jordana. It's been so lovely to talk to you. And we really appreciate you giving us the space to talk about all things grief. And we hope it hasn't been doom and gloom. Um, (laughs) It's been very uplifting. I loved it. Thank you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.